Du lyssnar på en podcast från Expressen. Fler poddar hittar du på expressen.se-podcast och på iTunes. Okej, hjärtligt välkomna till en ny podcast med mig, Magnus Nyström. Nu faktiskt på plats i Detroit i USA. Där jag träffar en kollega som vet det mesta om alla svenskar som spelar och har spelat i Detroit. Så nu får ni träna på lite engelska igen, mina kära lyssnare, på att detta alltså blir en podcast på engelska. Hon ska vara presentera sig själv. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I'm Helena St. James. Uh journalist for the Detroit Free Press. I've been at the Free Press since 1995. I started covering the Ring Red Wings in 1996, same year as Thomas Holmstrom arrived. So I like to joke that we were rookies together. Uh, I used to do quite a bit of Red Wings and Detroit Pistons and tennis, but for the past 10 years it's really exclusively been the Detroit Red Wings and uh, a lot more travel. Yeah, and uh, that is as being a beat writer, which uh, for most of people in Sweden is something we haven't really, we, we don't really know. Explain what that is. Your pretty much only assignment is to follow the Red Wings, right? Exactly, yeah. but it's every practice, every game, home or away. So it's and it's really turned into a 365 day a year job. I mean, other than a few quiet weeks in August, I mean, and the Red Wings, as I'm sure people in Sweden know, make the playoffs every year. They don't always go far, but they make the playoffs, and then. Right after that, you assess, okay, why did they lose? What do they need? Soon after that, there's the draft, which is a huge deal. And then there's free agency, which usually takes a couple of weeks for all the dust to settle. So, And then, you know, there's always the possibility of trade. So it's really maybe August uh, leading into training camp is the only kind of quiet time of the year. But to follow the same team all the time, don't you get tired of those guys sometimes? They probably get tired of me. Um, you know, we're kind of a familiar face in the in the locker room but it, it can be a challenge at times to come up with fresh ideas you know but I mean usually something will happen in a game that that's noteworthy and you can follow up with as well the next day and such so it is it, it is challenging I mean and, and it's probably kind of unique to just have one area where you know you follow the same people around all the time but uh, but it's a lot of fun too. I mean, it's been a lot of high highlights, of course, and a lot of uh, long nights working with your stories. I don't know how that feels, but if you would pick out one uh, particular story, one particular uh, thing that you worked with that was like the highlight of, of covering the Red Wings, what would you say that would be? Uh, well, I got to go to the 2006 Olympics in Turin because they half the team was over there with, with Sweden, uh, especially. So that was a lot of fun, and then I would say. Um, going with the Czechs to the Czech Republic in the summer of 2002 with the Stanley Cup, uh, especially Dominic Hasek was. Oh, you just, followed I mean, Hasek yeah. to, to yes, I, I went to the yeah. to the Czech Republic with them. It was he and uh, Yuri Fischer and Yuri Slager all uh, got a couple of days with the cup. So that was that was very very neat, and and it was uh, a lot <clears throat> a lot of fun because you know covering the Stanley Cup final. A lot of it is routine, like there's practices, there's availability and such. But this was a lot. I had to come up, figure out my own way to like get around and make sure I was at the events. And all the guys were very helpful too. But it was it was a lot more of uh, having to do my own groundwork, which which was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Swedes that you have worked with over the years, the guys that have been in the Red Wings, and it's a whole bunch of them. Uh, has it 
you hasn't gotten to the point where any of your bosses at the free press have said, hell, you need to learn Swedish now. Well, thankfully, you guys have such a great educational system in Sweden. They all come over here speaking fluent Swedish, more or less. Thomas Holmström, a little bit of an exception. Yeah, he's but, got uh, his own language. It's but, hard for us to understand him yeah, sometimes, too. Yeah. But by the time Nicholas Lidstrom left, you know, I think he sounded like a native-born North American speaker of English. He, he, was, that, he was that flawless in every respect, of course. So um, it was, you know, I mean, speaking of, of highlights, I mean, going to Sweden uh, when, when they went over there to play St. Louis was a lot of fun, mm. too. So uh, to see, you know, to, to see them in their native element. And, and, you know, almost the vast majority of them do go back to Sweden after they're done playing. Yeah. I mean, Holmstrom stayed here a few years, but now he's, he's back, back where, where I understand the sun doesn't shine uh, this <laughs> exactly, time of year. Exactly. But have you picked up any Swedish at all, or can they still... Well, it, it's interesting because I'm from Denmark originally, yeah, so yeah, it's true. fairly yeah. easy for yeah. me to read Swedish. Yeah. You know, listening to it being spoken, unless it's very slow, yeah. um, is a little bit harder. But I, I, I will often go on your site and such, and you know, especially because they tend to tell Swedish reporters things first. Uh, <laughs> so you know, just to uh, I usually check them a couple times a week to see what uh, what they may be saying over there. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. Okay, let's go through some of the Swedish players. <coughs> oh, sorry, that you have. Um, been um, uh, working with over the years. Uh, let's start with Lidstrom. I mean, I mean, to me, just coming back here, the last time I was here was actually a player with the Red Wings not coming into the building and sees number five up there in the in the rafters. It's pretty special. Uh, how was it like to deal with him on a daily basis? It's funny, you know, I remember one of the first big stories I did was actually on Lidstrom, San- Thomas Sandstrom and Thomas Holmstrom, the, the Stroms of the, yeah. they were kind of the three. The three Stroms. Yeah, you know, that was, that was kind of the three original or that, that kind of, then came the, the wave of, you know, there'd be seven suites in, in, in the lineup and such, but those three for a while. And, you know, Nicholas Lidstrom, it was just so amazing to me because he was uh, the least affected guy I think I've ever covered. I mean, just just so normal right down to uh, remember when Dominic Hasek came over I, I would notice because Hasek would come off ice take off his equipment and it would just be a giant mountain in front of him didn't hang up his own stuff Lidstrom you know much less equipment for a skater of course but still always his locker always looked impeccable put everything away I mean he just um, I, I actually did a very funny story one year um, I went around and asked any of the guys if they'd ever seen him lose his temper or, or anything and uh you know, no one had anything to say about it. Uh, they were kind of like, no, and I, I can't believe it, except uh, Bob Rouse uh, said he had borrowed Lidstrom's Mercedes and taken it out to dinner, or valet parked it, and it came back with a little ding. And he said, he said that's the closest he ever saw Nicholas to getting upset and such. So, uh, so you know, I, I think he... And, and it, it's interesting, um, because I, I can't remember what year it was, but it was one of the years he was going to Toronto... Uh, to, <clears throat> to pick up the Norris Trophy, and I was on the same plane as him, uh, his wife, and I think at least three of their sons were in the picture now. I'm not sure if the fourth one had been born yet, but um, we were at the airport, and there was, you know, we boarded the plane, then <clears throat> they told us to get off because of mechanical issues, and it was just one delay after another, and finally they ended up canceling the flight. And, you know, not at any point did I see any of these, of his three flawless sons throw a fit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you think children can get away with that. I mean, we were probably there five hours doing nothing. Yeah. And it As was, an adult, you could yeah, do it you know, and like it's that, just, yeah. uh, so it must, it must run in his DNA. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's he's truly the the. I mean, he's like a Mr. Perfect. He's really a gentleman. He always has a, your questions and so forth. But he's not the best quote in the room. He's not the guy who's giving you the headlines the way he talks, right? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I will say uh, Thomas Holmstrom was certainly 
had his very funny way of putting yeah. things, you know, much more so than than Lidstrom. Than Lidstrom. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was always polite to the to the hilt. I think yeah. he could have beaten the team nine nothing, and he would say polite things about the opponent. Uh, yeah. Thomas Holmstrom was a much more war, you know, his heart on his sleeve, as we say in English. I mean, just yeah. when he was injured, you could tell because he would just be in such a bad oh, mood and yeah. grumbling at everybody and such. So, but you know, I mean, a great great guy, but just much more emotional yeah. than, than Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Holmstrom, he's the guy to go for quotes sometimes. That's how I thought about it coming here, I remember, and also in, in the national team, because he's really, he doesn't really think too much about what he says or what people are going to think about him saying. He's right, just, exactly. I mean, he, he, yeah, he's, he's much more emotional guy and just speaks his mind. And, um, you know, and, and often in English it comes out so funny yeah. that you'll kind of be wondering, what did he actually mean or something? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, teammates don't Swanglish because yeah. uh, you know, but but I mean, he was he was a great favorite in the locker room amongst his teammates as well, just because he was he would always he would always know how to lighten the mood. I mean, it would just you know, and I remember Chris Draper telling me about uh, at one there was a time Holmstrom would complain about the curve of his stick, and Draper was all like, "What curve?" Because nobody could tell there was any curve to his, you know. So just uh, I, I know, and they always uh, they'd like to tease him at Christmas time. They would hand him. Their, their children's wish lists and say, can you pass this off to Santa Claus? Because they would be like, well, you know, he's from the North Pole, so he must know the guy. So. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, what a tough player that was. I mean, all the time spending in front of the net like he did. I mean, you must have seen him in pain quite a few times. You know, it, it's funny. It was actually um, Hawken Anderson, their Swedish scout, told yeah. me that they had him tested too because the joke for a while was he's the only player to come out of Sweden who couldn't skate I mean yeah. he just you know did not was not the swiftest of foot and such but yeah you know I think he, he may be my favorite example of, of what pure will can do because yeah. he willed himself you know to four Stanley Cups and just an yeah. amazing amazing career you know and, yeah. he, and he and he put in I mean Lidstrom was Mr. Perfection Holmstrom was Mr. Hard Work you know yeah. I mean like and going to the front of the net I mean he was really kind of at the forefront of, the, of that position of people thinking, wow, that's a great idea, just to go there and stay there. I mean, mm. anybody can go there and immediately get pushed out, but, yeah. you know, and he, I mean, he the, the, battle, yeah, the yeah. battles he would have, especially, I remember, with Ed Balfour, I mean, and, you know, he would have extra padding on yeah. his back and his behind, because he would take so many cross-checks, so, yeah. and he did it year after year, season after season, that's what's so amazing, too. It wasn't just like, okay, now I'm, I have a contract, I'm not going to do it anymore. I mean, he, he was a, a, a battler right till the end. I mean, his teammates must have been amazed sometimes, like, you know, just looking at him, what the hell is he doing? Because he was doing it so much more than right. most of the other guys, right? Right, I mean, he, he and Nicholas, you know, got to the point where Nicholas would deliberately shoot the puck wide from the point so that Holmstrom could get the rebound, yeah. depending on, on, you know, what lanes were open and such. So, uh, and, and then the joke, you know, Nicholas would always be trying to keep count of how many of, of what he thought should be his goals that Holmstrom touched or, or stole because, you know, he, he that tipped it with his I don't know if there's another player in the NHL who has scored as many goals with his back to the goalie as Winston no. has right <laughs> I think that I think he may lead the may lead the league in that but he had a bit of a problem for a while that when you when you couldn't have your skate in the in the goal crease yes when they were really yeah. pushing that rule he was like he did have uh, to adjust I think uh, yeah. he you know it was funny you could tell something he, he, he said he would just try to be right outside the paint, but kind of hang his behind over or something. Yeah. So, like just, so he had to like learn to have a learn to recenter his gravity or something. I, I think, yeah. I mean, he, but he figured out a way to a, a way to you know still be a, a, an incredible presence. Yeah, 
Uh, the big stars of today, we're going to talk about them a bit too. Of course, the team captain is kind of nice when you walk through the arena here and there's a big board up with a big photo. So you've got Cronwell, Datschuk. And in the middle, it's the, the captain, Henrik Setterberg. And, uh, and Jimmy Howard. And who is the last guy? I don't remember. But uh, Setterberg, the captain. Uh, and also a bit of a Lidstrom too when it comes to not maybe saying, talking in headlines. No, but he he has his moments, you know, when he, when he wants to be away, he can when he can just, especially just say something very, uh, I mean, just, just bitingly funny, yeah. you know, th- that he'll be that he'll be very very good about that. And and what I like about him is he always he talks after most games, but he understands that he especially needs to talk after losses, you know, that you know, especially if they've played poorly, that that that's on him to say mm-hmm. to really speak for the team on that so that's I think and he never great backs t- away from that he's always there talking even though I mean not, not all you know actually often after victories uh, especially if somebody else has had the goals then he, he leaves, yeah. yeah you know but he just losses, figures he's always there. yeah you yeah. know that, that when, when he needs to be or if things are going badly on something he, he's always there and you just kind of I've just learned to figure out how to get him to you know say Say the things that, like, in a more funny way. You just you have to give him room. You kind of have to yeah. read him too. You know, see in that kind of yeah. mood. So, uh, you know, but it, it was very clear um, because while Steve Eisenman was still here, they put his locker next to Steve's. So it was very clear that he was going to be there, apparent yeah, after Lidstrom. I mean, Lidstrom was obviously going to be the captain after after Steve left. Steve Eisenman left, but that Henrik Sutterberg was a, a long term anchor for this team. And he's also one of those guys that never, I mean, he's, he came in on a high level and he improved and he's really sticks to that high level. It seems like he's, he's never really going down. Right. Uh, no, I think one of the most remarkable compliments to him is, you know, especially in the playoffs, if against Pittsburgh, <clears throat> they've had to kill off five on threes in the playoffs. You know how, how uh, I mean, that can be a, a huge problem, but he's, he's their forward who's out there. That's yeah, how good he is, yeah. two-way player. I mean, not all-star forwards are that good, but that's part of, you know, why they like him so much is both he and Pavel are just so good both ends of the ice, and they used to play much more, um, I think, in a, they used to penalty kill as well. They don't do quite as much anymore, especially during the regular season, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's just, you know, kept himself as the, Mike Babcock likes to refer to them as everydayers, you know, just yeah. all the time Always show there. up. Yeah, yeah. And he's a little underrated when it comes to quotes, I have to say that, because he told me, this is funny, I can tell you, I mean, I met him in Washington in October this uh, this season, earlier this season, and he talked about Nicholas Backstrom. I mean, they're also good friends, mm-hmm. and he said all the right things and all the good things about Backstrom. And then he finally said that he's going to win a Stanley Cup. And I'm like, oh, he's going to win a Stanley Cup, but you're not playing for the same team. Well, he will win a Stanley Cup when I retire. Okay. Yeah. And I kind of like that quote. Yeah. And he was yeah. joking a bit, but he was the same time serious because he's a true winner. Yeah. He's always out there to win, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, he, you know, you, you've seen him where there's a shift. He'll just take the whole team on his back and, and do something incredible. And he's not, you know, he, he doesn't dangle with the puck like Pavel Dotsuk does. I mean, Pavel Dotsuk is, you know, it's a rare night. There's not something you would put on a highlight reel from him. But with Sederberg, I think it's more just, he, he's just, he's just got such incredible willpower that, to, to do things in, in, in just a, a drivetrain that's second to none. Uh, how about the assistant captain, Nicholas Cronwall? Uh, He's interesting because, uh, I mean, he, he maybe not so much anymore, but there were certainly players and opposing coaches who thought he was dirty because of his penchant for open ice hits and such. And, but those and, were not dirty hits, mostly. They, they weren't. They, no. were, they were crushing hits, and yeah. all the more so considering he's not 
an a powerful. I mean, he's not an imposing guy off the ice. No, he's not no. like a Shea Weber where you think, oh my God, it would hurt. I mean, he, he's he's normal sized, right? Yeah. But he's <laughs> yeah, also really one is. of the sweetest guys, and yeah. I think that's one of what, what's so funny about him is he, he's such a he, he maybe deliver just brutal hits on the ice like that can hurt. I mean, I think he he. Uh, did it in the AHL and put somebody out for half a season or something. Yeah, he, yeah. he can just absolutely lay somebody out. But off the ice, he's the nicest person. And I remember a few years ago, he um, he had a run-in with George LaRocca, knee on knee, that Cronwall ended up missing a chunk of time. And LaRocca was, uh, I think, suspended five games. And, you know, everybody thought it was a dirty hit, and LaRocca had that... Um, Reputation too. Yeah. I mean, Sederberg talked about it. Babcock talked to the league. Obviously, suspended him. Nicholas Carm was like, "Oh, I don't think he meant to do anything." And we're thinking, like, <laughs> you're just apologizing to this guy. Like, nobody else agrees with you, but he's just. I mean, he, he's just. That's he's always. Is. Yeah, he, yeah, he's just one of the genuinely nicest, sweetest people that I think you'll meet. And he, to me, is also one of the guys that he stands there and talks to us reporters after mm-hmm. victories, but he also. Stands right. there after losses. The, he's he's very losses. big on, on yeah on accountability yeah. and especially uh, his own. I mean he'll 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 be very blunt if he says uh, if he feels he hasn't had a good game. Same in that respect, he's a lot like Dominic Koscheck. I mean nobody was quicker to um, to to admit if he didn't have a good game than Dominic Koscheck, which was one of the great uh, things about covering him. But but yeah, Cronwall is, is very much like that. He's 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 very very honest about uh, his own play. We're going to continue with the guys that are with the team now. We're not going to go through all the Swedish players that have been to the Red Wings because then we're going to be here for two hours. But Jonathan Eriksson uh, now uh, is playing a lot, or most of the time, together with Cronwall, and he's been doing that for quite a while. Uh, how about Eriksson? He's, uh, I actually think he, he's an uh, underrated as a quote. He, he can be very, very funny. Um, I, I think, you know, he's obviously not a, at the Nicholas Cronwall level, and I know from getting emails from readers and such that uh, I think people wish he would use his size anymore because there's a guy who really is physically yeah. imposing and such. But, I mean, he's, he's found a nice niche for himself here. You know, he's one of their penalty killers. So, uh, so but probably uh, not one of the more go-to quotes as far as the sports no. go. <laughs> but can you sense that him and some other of the young Swedish guys kind of look through look to like Cronwell and Sederberg maybe to show the way of how to behave, how to be Red Wings, how to take care of themselves. And Yeah, but I think Eriksson is closer in age to those guys that, that yeah, he, yeah, uh, he kind of already kinda had, has that. Younger, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's more like Nyquist probably yeah, yeah. is in that group. That's true, that's true. How about Gustav Nyquist? He's not that well-known for fantasy. Well, he is now after playing in the Olympics and the World Championships, but he's really a guy that's been coming along and doing a great job, and he's one of the most important players. Absolutely. I mean, he was probably their MVP last season. You know, he, he really carried the offense, especially, you know, because they didn't have Henrik Söderberg. They didn't have no. uh, Paul Datsuk for half a season each because of injuries. So uh, I'm not sure they would have made the playoffs if he hadn't had such a tremendous year. And then the concern was, can he do it again? Because now everybody knows who that number 14 is. And he has, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's really, in, he's got, um, I think it was in, in the Ottawa game, right? He had possession of the puck for nearly 30 seconds and yeah, just great did shift, three yeah. laps <laughs> three laps around the zone before finally before scoring I mean that he can do incredible incredible yeah, that things that was amazing the, I think you yeah. can find that on YouTube yeah Everybody you, you can absolutely yeah. 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 and great. he's another typical uh, super polite not uh, not always the most you know uh Controver- I mean, never says anything controversial no, or something, no. but, but very much in the Lidstrom vein of, of very polite and accessible. Yeah. yeah, And you mean they are polite, they're not boring? 
They're yeah, polite, yeah. No, I mean, not, not, well, see, I partly put it on the reporter. Like, you have to ask yeah. interesting questions or True something. Too. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right about that. You're absolutely right about that. One guy who can say a lot of funny things, and he's quite a character, that's Joanne Franz. And unfortunately, he's got the concussion thing, so yeah. he can't play right now. But what a player and what a personality that he's is. He's one, uh, one of my go-to guys for in talking about other players because he, he's, he's another one who I don't think he's ever said... Um, I mean, he, he just he just speaks what his his mind. You know, he doesn't. You can't see tell him like, okay, what can I say that's just going to sound very bland and polite or something. He he's he very good. Even yeah. Think that, no. the, and the funny thing with him is, um, usually I know if, to approach him, he'll, he'll I'll spend the first minute arguing with him about whether or not he should talk to me because he's just like, you know, what do you want? I just talked to you last month or something. You know, and it's always with a smile or something. But I can I don't think he he enjoys talking to the media very much, especially. I think TV cameras and such, but I mean he will. And the more yeah. you know him, you know. Also, that's we're going back to how, how we see each other so much. I think the more you see of somebody, the more comfortable you are uh, just treating them like you yeah. know, oh, go away, <laughs> get away. You know, you don't you wouldn't treat somebody who didn't know you like that. So, um, but but he's he's very funny, and I think a better player than people give him credit for. Oh, I mean yeah. he he had such incredible seasons there for a while. People kept expecting that, but you know he's had a lot of uh, head injuries. I mean I yeah. think. You know, if you watch other around the football and such, where the the issues of concussions down the road, it, kind of a little bit scary. So you uh, know, this is uh, this is not his first concussion and such. So um, it's I, I imagine a little bit of a concern for him. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he can come back for sure. Uh, uh, and he, <laughs> yeah, he is quite a character. And I just love that about guys that, like you said, doesn't even think about how should I answer this? How can somebody you know take this? Right. He's just you know, you blurt it out. Well, that's very good. I'm, I'm going to have it. We're going to talk more about the Swedish guys, but uh, being a, a reporter that follows the team all the time, do they ever get angry at you? Like, how could you, you know, point out that I didn't do this? You know, because you have to point out when they don't do good things and right. you're there all the time. And right. I mean, I do. Like, uh, giving you their stare in the locker room? or <laughs> You know, it's, I think, I just try to make sure if I, if, if you say something critical, that you can back it up. I mean, you don't you don't ever say, oh, he's the worst player. And, you know, you, you have to be fact-based mm-hmm. in it and just go, look, if somebody turns the puck over three times and or was to, directly, yeah. you know, and then I feel like, well, they can get mad at me for pointing it out. Yeah. But the fact is, if it's the truth, then yeah. I have no problem with them. And, and it happens very, very rarely, I think, yeah. because they understand you have a job to do and... You know they don't really have anything, any legs to stand on if they did, if they did what they did. Um, no, no, you know, yeah. I, I, I know. Uh, I think it was Ray Shepard that got upset because I pointed out he was he was a minus something horrible in a game, and but it, but he was. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, well, you can get upset, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> get get upset at yourself. You're the one who had the terrible rating. So yeah, yeah. But he approached you and he talked about it. Like I think yeah. he, he told somebody else who told me. So oh, that's so typical yeah. too, right? Yeah. I also have to ask you, I forgot about that earlier on there, how about being a woman in this business? I mean, with all the, I mean, unfortunately still in some of hockey circles, you got the macho thing going. Wasn't it Don Cherry recently had some, you know, stupid comment about very stupid, but shouldn't be a lot in the locker yeah, room or something but like I think that? everybody realized how stupid it was yeah, and that yeah. they really shouldn't pay attention to. That's true. But have you ever encountered any problems because of people look at you like, oh, what she's doing here? Not in, in hockey, you know, I mean, they... I, th- I think it's now it's certainly enough of a of a common thing that 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 there's really I think very little thought given to it. I mean, I will sometimes look around and realize I'm the only woman in here, but like no player has ever 
uh, no hockey player has ever made an issue of it, you know, and I would... Uh, I wouldn't expect it either ever in, in the Wings locker room just because of the leadership that's there. And, you know, I came in when it was Steve Eisenman and, and Igor Larionov and Slava Fetisov and such. And, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, I, th- I think when young guys see, well, these these older guys are treating her yeah, like yeah. just a re- any other reporter and such, they oh, know they're not going to... Because you talk to other teams as well when they play No, it's more... Uh, I ran into some in college football, uh, oh, yeah. doing a little bit of college football. I think... In baseball, it can be more of an issue and such. But uh, but in hockey, no, I mean, that's part of what's so great about covering it. Um, they're all, for the most... I mean, it's very rare you run into an ego. I've covered quite a bit of uh, national basketball, and yeah. it's much more of a player-first league. I mean, yeah. how many, very rarely would you see a hockey player say, like, well, I should be playing 20 minutes a night, me, 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 like you'll see in the NBA mm-hmm. where a player yeah. says, I'm getting disrespected because I'm not getting enough minutes. You just you just yeah. don't, you know, and I, and I think, and it wouldn't happen in, in the NHL because uh, other players wouldn't put up with it, you know, yeah. from anybody. So it's just, it's, it's you know, much more, it's, I think, a much more respectful league in, in many respects. Yeah, people ask me a lot of times, I mean, if I've ever, you know, encountered anybody being, you know, obnoxious or cocky or in any way bad but I mean of course I had some players getting upset at me because of stuff that I've written and I'm doing columns so it's kind of expected you know it's just part of my job a little bit but uh, just being rude I mean my two worst are a tennis player Clayton Hewitt who treated me like garbage and Reggie Miller the uh, NBA player who was also he wasn't even looking at me like I'm done with interviews or, I thought it was joking first but it didn't so I had to say that hockey players are a, a great bunch of right, yeah. <laughs> athletes to cover, really. Yeah, I can't think of any that have been like that. And I think Leighton Hewitt had that reputation yeah, with yeah, uh, with a lot of people. I mean, uh, Christian Leitner, when he was with the Detroit Pistons, uh, yeah. nobody enjoyed dealing with him because he would just always treat you like everything you asked him was, yeah. was stupid, you know. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Uh, uh, Brian Greasy Jr., the quarterback at Michigan for a while, was... Uh, kind of the same way just yeah. always looking down his nose at you and such but in hockey you just you just don't really run into that no I mean it, and then of course it's all very special with this organization I mean the Detroit Red Wings we being in this building all the Stanley Cup banners and all, all the success they've had uh, I mean what is it the 23rd straight playoff year right it's coming up uh, they last year if was they 23 make it, it's going to be 24 yeah. yeah and they're probably going to make it anyway. right yeah it looks yeah. like it yeah. yeah what is the reason to that extraordinary success because being a top team for such a long time give you you know not the, the best no they've done it either. they've done it without uh, ever you know getting into the top five top ten kind of uh, fishing pool in, yeah. in the annual draft and such and I think uh, they were really at the forefront of um, drafting Europeans and Russians and such I mean when you look up where Sederberg Lidstrom Datsuk Holmstrom was you know not quite the same level but I mean like just like guys like Lidstrom, I mean, they got, you know, he wasn't a number one pick by yeah. anywhere close. So they they drafted uh, overseas a lot stronger before everybody else caught onto it. And then, um, you know, and they, they certainly, with, with Datsuk, got an absolute steal there. They've continued to draft very well, uh, even in second and, and third rounds mm-hmm. and such. They've developed a lot of players. You know, they for a while there, they, were tra- they traded a lot of their first-round picks uh, to get guys like Chelios, and because it was really win now when when the pre 
pre-salary cap. Yeah. You know, when they had, yeah. when they could just spend freely, spend they they went that route a lot. But the, since the salary cap was instituted, they've really committed a lot more to uh, drafting and developing and such. And I mean, I think their coaching staff gets a tremendous amount of credit for that. And also, you know, uh, Ken Holland, the general manager, because. He treats his players very well, and that's why, for example, another Swede, Daniel Alfredson, wanted to. Part of the reason yeah. he wanted to come here, you know, they hear good things about yeah. playing in Detroit and that players are treated well, and that's that's especially big for veterans that they want to c- come somewhere where they know they'll they'll be appreciated and and treated right and not treated if you know no, that exactly, they're just. Yeah. Uh, it's a classy organization through and through. But how about Babcock? I mean, his contract is going up this season. Yes. Um, I mean, they've made it very clear, both he and Ken Holland, they're not going to talk about uh, whether they're negotiating or such. And I don't believe they are. I know the Wings are willing to pay him uh, at least $3 million a year and give him that for four or five years if, if that's mm-hmm. the kind of term he wants. I mean, Mike Illich, the owner, is doesn't nickel and dime people he wants to keep, you no, know, baseball no. or hockey. I mean, he'll give them what they want, coaches to general managers. So I think with Babcock, it will come down to, I mean, and, and I don't blame him. Uh, he's 51, turning 52, I think, later this spring. Yeah. Uh, has won everything. Can If he becomes a, a free agent, so to speak, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. certainly going to get a lot of interest, and why not see what else is out there? Exactly. At yeah, the same yeah. time, I think he appreciates what a great situation he has in Detroit yeah. in the owner and general manager who listens to him as far as player input and such and he is a guy who likes to win and so maybe I don't know how you don't look at Detroit and think wow there's first of all Pavel and Henrik are yeah, still for yeah. a few more years and, one, two punch there. and there's incredible <laughs> talent coming up from below that yeah. um, he certainly has a good chance to win here if I'm him, if it's down to Detroit or Toronto, I mean, I think you're more likely to win in Detroit yeah. than... Uh, oh, you think? Than, uh, you know, <laughs> I but I mean, so the, the, that's, the yeah. Maple Leafs are the interesting one because they're a billion-dollar franchise. Maybe yeah, they throw yeah. so much money at, at him that... Um, he can't say no. no. We're going to finish up with the other Swedish guys in the in the roster now. We got Jonas Gustafsson in goal. Uh, how about him? I mean, he's injured now, and he hasn't <clears throat> really been the monster he was back home in Sweden, but... No, I mean, that's... You know, he... You, you, you can rely on him to get injured, right? Yeah, Unfortunately, I that's... I mean, he, but he had such a good season for them in 2013-14 when Jimmy Howard really struggled. And I think they weren't quite sure they wanted Peter Morasek to come up. They, they would rather have Peter... I mean, because they have Jimmy Howard as, as their starter, although yeah. he's now hurt. But, you know, from their point of view, if, if Jimmy Howard came back had a strong season like he had his first half, they didn't want Peter to only play once every two weeks in Detroit as a backup. Yeah. They'd rather have him be the every everyday guy in Grand Rapids in their minor league team. So, yeah. you know, but things work out the way they work out, and now Peter Morasek's up here being their, their go-to guy. And, you know, um, Gustafsson, when he... Uh, when he separated his shoulder in, in early November, it was like, let's see, two months. Well, we're coming up in two and a half. And, I mean, he's he's taking some shots after practice, but he's not full-out practicing yet. So I'm not um, I'm not sure when, when we might see him again. Oh, his Red Wings career might go to an end pretty soon, right? I would think that there's just not, not much chance they bring him back. How about his contract? He's go, it's going on. Yeah, he's, yeah but yeah. it was one year. Yeah, then, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's going to probably have to find some other place to play. Right? I would imagine, as it looks right now, that would be the case. If you would be in the management of the Red Wings, you wouldn't sign him? Uh, probably not, just no. because <laughs> of the way Peter Morasek is playing. and uh, you know. But, I mean, you, you never know how things can, can work out just because of injuries and such that 
Um, it's hard to predict the future. Yeah. When you talk to fans in Sweden, of course, Henrik Sederberg is a, is a huge fan favorite back home too. Uh, is he on a Peter Forsberg level? They, there's a lot of comparison between these two sometimes. Not yeah. only the beard, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, same kind of, uh, of dominance. Um, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, Forsberg was such... I don't know if in, if, if Sederberg is as well-known across the U.S. as, as Forsberg yeah. was. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's not a... He, you know, he, he doesn't self-promote and such. And not that I really think Forsberg did that, but then I don't know how much of... Forsberg at the end was also because he was constantly in the news for his injury, yeah, right? And yeah, would he play? Would he not play? So yeah. maybe if he had just been healthy, I mean, and what a what a disappointing or unfortunate yeah, turn ended, of events yeah. that that uh, such a such an incredible player basically spent what four or five last four or five years of his career yeah, yeah. Uh, hurt. I remember I'll tell you a funny one of my favorite stories from the '06 Olympics in Turin was. Um, Because you remember Forsberg, I think, was hurt too, right? Yeah, and so yeah. um, when when it was looking like he was going to come back, an ESPN reporter asked Chris Chelius, um, will it make a difference for Sweden to have Peter Forsberg on the bench? And he just looked and said, is that a trick question? Yeah, <laughs> 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 oh, wow. But I mean, you saw a lot of Forsberg with a big rivalry between mm-hmm. Detroit and Colorado. We're going to talk about more more about that pretty soon here also. But but uh, Peter Forsberg on top of his game or Henrik Sederberg on top of his game? Who do you pick? Oh, that's that's a good one. I don't know. Sederberg's such a good two way player, and I would say he's now playing against. To me, I mean, players just get stronger and bigger and faster all the time. Like just. You know, you look at pictures of them of the NHL players yeah. from the '50s and '60s, and you can tell they, you know, enjoyed the uh, they enjoyed the lifestyle outside. Yes, of the yes, yeah. exactly. And I mean, and you know, some of them smoked and such. I mean, yeah. now it's just the the emphasis on health. So I don't know that I might have to flip a coin to see uh, yeah. to decide. But it might. I mean, Sederberg he's he's got a defensive yeah. game that Peter might not have had. Right, right. Uh, I mean, Forsberg just the way he could. Score was amazing, but yeah, I mean, Sederberg probably the, the better all-around two-way uh, player. It's not an easy pick. It is an, no, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, we have another Swedish guy we haven't mentioned in this team. That's Joachim Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a great guy too. And he's one of those, I mean, perfect fourth liners. Maybe yeah, I mean, he he kind of he had a tough start to 2014. He he had some kind of infection last year that really affected him the second half. He just, you know could never quite feel right enough and got bumped from the lineup and uh, he kind of wondered well where is he going to fit in because they had so many young guys and um, but he he's been a good he's been a good soldier for them you know grinds away there on the fourth line just had a goal uh, in St. Louis you know very nice to see you could he was smiling after that I mean you could you could tell it was, it was yeah, yeah you know you, you don't want to be the only guy on the team without without a goal so uh, but very very um, he, he's another one like France and such I mean very very honest and just if you ask him any question he'll he'll uh, just say exactly what he thinks about it and such so and very pleasant to deal with yeah talk about saying what they think Michael Samuelson he had a classic time when he was not on the Olympic team in Vancouver when he said where he thought the coaches of the Swedish team should go uh, uh, do you miss Michael, Michael Samuelson here we always joke that um, he would start every answer with like you say or like you say and such and uh, you know it was actually funny I remember I think it was uh, it was he and Andreas Lilia, another another Swede, that they were making fun of each other because um, I think it, it was 
Lilia making fun of Samuelson because he liked to play pools, you know, the the game yeah. pool. Yeah, and he's like only... Like bowling? Or you mean no, no, the, like uh, B-O-U. Yeah, yeah, like, bowl, yeah. bowl, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but he said only old French... <laughs> it's a game only <laughs> exactly. old, old French grumpy old guy, yeah, yeah, play and such, but... Uh, <laughs> But, so yeah, they were they were a good pair to pit against each other. Yeah, yeah, and he was a hard worker too. Had a good career over here. I mean, he's back home in Sweden. Right. He had a little tough time in the beginning, but he's getting closer and closer to his best hockey. And he's got he doesn't have the injuries right now, though. That was the reason he had to right. be here. Right, with Samuelson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean they. I think it was also the same year as Yuri Hudler. He and Yuri Hudler were both up, and they kind of had to pick one and the other, and they picked Hudler, who then ended up. Uh, no. You know, ditching them and going to Russia, which was a disaster. But um, you know, they they certainly liked that right shot of his. I mean, he could just blister it from the point. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the rivalry between Detroit and Colorado. I was here for playoff games between those two teams, and I remember the All Star game in Denver when the fans in Denver booed Nicholas Lidstrom. I've never seen anybody get booed in an All Star game, but they don't like their no. Red Wings in Colorado. That was uh, that. That was, and it was funny because I mean, Peter Forsberg loved that. He was laughing like yeah. crazy after that. Yeah. They booed Lidstrom. Well, and I think then he would probably remember a few years. Uh, later passing the puck to Lidstrom in, in the 06 Olympics gold game. I think that yeah. that turned out well, right? Uh, that pass, or being teammates with him. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, but it, one of the funny aspects of the rivalry was both Steve Eisman and Joe Sackick were, I mean, Joe Sackick, speaking of, you know, a blank yeah, nice and such, yeah. and, yeah. and not no real fire there, you know, but it was a lot, of course, uh, McCarty and Lemieux and such, but there yeah. was the famous brawl here on March 26th, you yeah. know, where... Uh, where everybody, I think even even Igor and Peter Forsberg, uh, were kind of like, well, I mean, yeah. neither one of them wanted to fight. But, uh, but they did but wear it, their gloves and kind of hold on to each other, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Igor letting so, them and Peter Forsberg. That's not what you expect. No, you know, that... that um, it, but it those was, two teams really disliked each other at that time. Yeah, and Patrick Roth, too, you yeah. know, was, was a big part of it. I mean, you want to see... I, I don't know that I've ever seen so many gleeful fans as that 7 nothing loss uh, here. You know, they just... They just um, they got beaten seven nothing here. Yeah, Colorado oh, wow. did. Yeah, oh, wow. um, that uh, <laughs> Ron, you know, and of course the history with Ron also was that it was Detroit that beat him when he was with Montreal yeah, and prompted yeah, the, yeah, the, the trade. So trade, yeah. it was just you know you had so many good players on both teams, and and they then there was because of the hit from behind uh, on, on Draper that extra yeah, storyline yeah. going forward and such. That so, was called Lemieux delivering that nasty Yeah, hit and that Draper, was then yeah. when Darren McCarty fought yeah. for him uh, next next spring on behalf of his friend Chris Draper. So, so yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, I mean just you know Mark Crawford too and Scotty Bowman uh, yapping at each other. So yeah. it was it was a uh, yeah the coach was the press box at each other yeah from the, the press barrier, box yeah. was the friendliest <laughs> was the friendliest <laughs> part of that rivalry. No fights with uh, Colorado media. No, no. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But that must have been great. Uh, uh, I mean, especially the playoff series to cover. That it was. It was. You know and. Um, I remember I was following one of those series quite a lot. Uh, right. Well, and great. especially just because of the battles on ice, because both sides had so much talent that uh, yeah. you know it was it was incredible to watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're gonna slide away from hockey uh, a little uh, for a short while here, because uh, thinking back to that series, one playoff series between Detroit and Colorado, I remember covering practice here and uh, talking with Peter Forsberg afterwards and we were walking together out from the locker room area towards the bus and he was going to go on the bus this was like you know 11 o'clock and I'm going to continue to walk from the arena to my hotel and he was like Magnus what are you going to do 
And he stepped out on the bus again. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to walk to the... Are you going to walk to the hotel? This is Detroit. And I mean, this is this, this is a city with not the best reputation. I mean, it's even been worse since that. I mean, with the bankruptcy, the whole city. And I mean, I mean how has this affected the Red Wings and the whole area? And how important is the Red Wings for this city, considering all the bad headlines and all the They've tough certainly times? been been an extremely positive story uh, for the for Detroit for the city of Detroit. And you know, now their owner is committing to bu- uh, building a new arena that's going to be state-of-the-art from everything I hear. That I think it's supposed to open in 2017. Yeah, what is so, the plan? Tell, tell us about that plan. What, what is that? Yeah, it's going to be over near uh, Tiger's, uh, Comerica Park and yeah. uh, Ford Field. I mean, they're really developing that whole area. So over the big around, football arena, the big right. baseball stadium, and a new hockey arena. In, in, in that vicinity, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's a $300 million plus building and such wow. that and you know, and another guy you have to give credit to is Dan Gilbert, who owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's a local businessman who's bought a lot of buildings in downtown Detroit. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people committed to uh, rebuilding and in, in, in making Detroit a, a better place. It's going to yeah. take quite a while because, unfortunately, of of you know, people like Kwame Kilpatrick who who are in jail because yeah. of what they did. You know, I mean, it's absolutely horrible the corruption that was here for a while not and he was a high politician right uh, i mean he you know that he was the mayor of the city he was the and, mayor of the city. and yeah. he's in prison now yeah yeah you know so it's it's i mean very sad but as you see elsewhere in life you know a little bit of destruction can take years to overcome yeah. that unfortunately yeah. it's much easier to tear down a building than it is to build one mm-hmm. um so it's but i mean the, the city has made a lot of progress you know and there's, um, and there's I mean, more positive news right, the, now. The, than the auto years companies ago. all, you know, have have all rebounded, yeah. and you know they get things. I mean, it's a beautiful surrounding area too. You know, I mean, the the Ryder Cup has come here. They've had a lot of high profile events come here too, and mm-hmm. and people always respond with rave reviews and such. And you know, it, you know the. People don't uh, riot after sporting events no, here, yeah. like like recently, like they have. I mean, in Vancouver and such, yeah, you know, exactly, where. Yeah. So it's certainly not. I mean, it has some black eyes. Not uh, not the only city to have that, but mm. but overall, I mean, um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't walk down the dark street in the middle of the night, but I don't know which city. Maybe I would do that in Stockholm, but I yeah, wouldn't do oh, that in any not. city in the U.S. Actually, maybe not. I don't know, <laughs> depending on where you are. But but I guess also to have a successful sports team, and it's not only the Red Wings you have. More mm-hmm. sports Detroit Tigers, here. Mike Gillich's baseball yeah, team yeah, has been very yeah. successful. Yeah, they've been very good. Yeah, yeah and Detroit Lions, uh, you know, at least they made the, the playoffs yeah. and then absolutely horrible officiating uh, yeah. in, in the game against Dallas. So, um, but people, I mean, flock to game to Detroit Lions games no matter how they're yeah, doing. So, yeah. and you know, Detroit Pistons have gone on a nice little winning streak. Yeah, now it's a little bit uh, disingenuous that they're called Detroit Pistons because they play an hour north of here in Auburn yeah, Hills. But, yeah. you know, and, and you have extremely successful uh, college programs mm-hmm. uh, 45 minutes away in Ann Arbor, Michigan with the University of Michigan and two hours away in East Lansing with Michigan State uh, University. So, you know, it, it's it's a very prosperous state in many respects. Yeah, uh, but it, it is hockey town, though. Hockey is the number one sport. Or... Is well, that? you know, that's the Wings' own marketing department has come up with that. I, I mean, I think it's just as much baseball and football town. Is, I mean, the yeah. Wings kind of fade into the background in, in autumn because it's football season, and, yeah. and people are used to them. Oh, they'll be fine, and we'll pick up with yeah, them after we'll the Super Bowl, really. Yeah, usually after the Super Bowl is over is, is, I think, when people start paying more. And then you have spring training, though, starting up in, in February and such. So yeah, it's, I think it's very much so, yeah. baseball town as well. Yeah, yeah. 
But if you would say one sport? If you it might actually be the football because, I mean, oh, yeah. Detroit Lions, no matter how they are doing, they fans flock to their games and very, very passionate fan base. I think if, if Detroit ever went to the Super Bowl, yeah. the city might implode with, yeah. they, they wouldn't know what to do. They'd be so happy and ecstatic, you know, people yeah. would just be. But those Stanley Cup parades must have been pretty cool too, right? They, they were, yeah. absolutely, yeah. you know, uh, and a good time of year to have them in, in summer and such. I think especially the first one, um, you know, was uh, was just incredible to watch. Because it's it so been, amazing too when you think about it, because this team nowadays are known to be so extremely professional and to win a lot, but there were 42 years without right. a cup win. Yeah. Uh, no, they were known as the Dead Wings in yeah, the 1980s. Oh yeah. the and, but that was really uh, Steve Eisenman that kind of started, yeah. you know, the, the rebound there. That uh, And then, and then um, you know, and coinciding with Mike Gillich buying the team as well and being willing to spend some money on it. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, that, that was really the key. Steve Eisenman and then Sergei Fedorov and Nicholas Littstrom. I mean, I, I remember late in his career talking to Steve Eisenman, you know, about, you know, winning the cup and such. And he said, you know, we wouldn't have won any of them without Nicholas. So no, no. I also remember one memory I have of Eisenman. I mean, talk about a gentleman too, but I remember him standing at a, one of those little podiums they have during the All-Star Games, you know, when they bring all, all yeah. the players into one room and everybody's yeah. standing on a little podium. And there were a whole bunch of people surrounding Eisenman. And uh, for some reason, I, I, you might have gotten a question. Uh, he started talking a lot about Lidstrom, and he said that he really recommended people that watch games, like follow Lidstrom the whole time. Yeah. The way he positioned himself, the way he right. knocks down pucks in the air and all that. And just, you know, uh, it's just fascinating to listen to his respect and, and you know. Oh, it, it is. I asked uh, Ken Hitchcock about him once, just a, a simple question about what, what is it that makes it so tough to play against him. And... 15 minutes later, you know, he was still talking yeah. about it, you know, and, and it mostly came down to, like, you, you run out of room, because he just, yeah. you know, he wasn't a guy who, who flattened you with a big hit, no, but no. he just, he just never let you get by, he no. just, you'd run, for a forward, he would, no. he would run out of room, I mean, that was, that was his genius, I don't know if anybody's ever been a better precisional defenseman, yeah. and, you know, to me, the remarkable thing about him, too, is, you know, his partners were not exactly always all-stars themselves. No. I mean, he made one partner after another look like a genius. I think Ian White's my favorite example uh, a few years back. You know, he, he spent the first half of the season playing next to Nicholas Lidstrom, had the best plus-minus in the NHL, looked like an all-star. And said, who, who is that? Is that? I, Ian White? Yeah, Ian White, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Ian then White, yeah. he lost Lidstrom as his partner, and his numbers came crashing. It's just, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think if you could put a pylon out next to Nicholas, and that pylon would get voted to the all-star game. Yeah, 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 he was a tremendous player. But talk about Eisenman. I mean, he was an excellent player too, uh, of course. Uh, extremely important player with winning the four cups, being the captain. But to me, it's just, I can't really... I mean, he's in Tampa Bay now. To me, that's wrong. Yeah. Well, he's not supposed to be in Tampa Bay. You know, he's he retired... A guy. Yeah. He's a he retired in 06, yeah. and so he was in management um, here in Detroit still, I mean, kind of learning the ropes when they wanted in 08. Um, but he wanted to be the manager of his own team. And, yeah, you know, I Ken, understand that. Ken Holland yeah. is very well entrenched here, yeah. and very well respected by his owner. And, you know, not that uh, I think he's in, in his mid-50s, so yeah. wasn't going to go anywhere. So, yeah, he's kind of Steve Eisenman with another team. But I think it helps that it's as management, not as a player. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit. He's done a tremendous job there. and. Kind of they have a chance a, to win a, the cup. Yeah, in, in a lower profile, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, he, he, I think his he's added, his profile has added to how much attention that team got right away as, as well as such. Um, 
But I, I think, I mean, people, people in Detroit love Steve Eisenman with a passion that I think they cherished and respected Nicholas Lidstrom and, and appreciated him, but yeah. like had genuine love and affection for Steve because he was 18 when he came here, just yeah. a kid. Played and those terrible were the dead teams, wings years. Right? Yeah, terrible and, teams and then ago. I don't think there's ever been a better example of somebody just gutting it out, as we call it. Like yeah. I mean, he, he had, his knee was in such bad; he could barely get up. Yeah. Uh, you know, from, if he had fallen on the ice yeah. his, his last year or so. I mean, his, his knee. Yeah, I remember some players talked about him. He could hardly walk. Yeah, right. Yeah. And still, you know, but still he, he kept was playing, playing in the and, NHL. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But wouldn't it be extremely weird to have his Tampa team knock out Detroit? In a playoff round, I think it would be less weird just because he'd be up in the in the you know right. in the suite or in the press box as sure. a general manager yeah. and such. That I don't think it would be quite. The I think same it would be weird for him, don't you think? Uh, I think he'd probably be happy because it <laughs> of means course, in one way, but yeah. at the other, at the other yeah. time, yeah. I mean, yeah, tough. Uh, wow. Uh, how about the chances for the Red Wings to win again? I mean, they're extremely dependable on the big two stars, but I mean. That's you can and and Sederberg extremely important, but the same you can say the same thing about many teams, you know, right. relying on big stories. I mean, do you see them as no, a lo- real lo- contender? This I, w- I would say so. I mean, a lot of things have gone right from for them. You know, that that they needed to be healthier, which you know they they have been to this point, and they needed Jimmy Howard to come back and have a good season, and he has. And now we'll see how long he's out with his groin injury. It's two to four weeks, so maybe they're hoping sometime in February he'll he'll be back. Um, yeah. But you know, and, and the and the young guys. I mean, Thomas Tatar, Gustav Nyquist have have continued to score. Riley Shahan has really become a big factor for them as a second line center. Gives them the option of playing Henrik and Powell together or splitting them apart, uh, however they want to do it. And um, their defense, you know, the defense has shown a lot of growth. Their young defensemen, and that's probably been the biggest key. As much as they really, really would like to add a right shot back there, just. Babcock talks about it all the time. How much easier it is to keep the puck going when you don't have to yeah. get it on your on your forehand, waste those few extra seconds if you. Um, but you know, I mean, to me, the the beauty of the NHL playoffs is anything really can happen. You know, how often have we seen an eighth seed make it to the final? And who had who had the New York Rangers picked to yeah. go to last year's final? Yeah. Right? I don't. I think people were shocked that Boston lost in the second round. I mean, yeah. nobody. You know, you, you just you you have so many you great storylines, and and I I do genuinely think if you get in, anybody can win. Yeah. I mean, and 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 L. A. which did it was down three nothing in the first round. In the first yeah. round, yeah, against the Sharks, and then lost four straight and won four straight games. That was pretty amazing. Uh, one thing now we've been very polite now, and I don't want you to be rude in any way. But when it comes to really putting pressure on players, and the players in the Red Wings are very good at doing that themselves. I mean, that's really the reason they were so successful. But come playoff time this spring it's time for Nyquist to really step up in the most important games because the last playoffs right he did he nothing was yeah he was yeah. invisible yeah no absolutely I mean that's and that will be it's interesting because he's restricted free aging coming up so you know he right now he's got a tremendous argument for for a raise but for he needs player, to yeah. show that he can do it in the playoffs too and so does Thomas Tatar another guy who yeah, you yeah. know Riley Shahan I mean none of them looked like the players they were last year in the regular season no. once that Boston series came around. Maybe it would have been different if if Powell had been at full health and Henrik Sederberg had played the whole series yeah. full health, you know, then they wouldn't have had. To. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like, hey, this was your opportunity to show what you exactly. could do, and, yeah. and they flunked yeah. their first test. So, 
that's going to be very interesting to see this spring. Very important for Nyquist and the guys you mentioned too. Uh, and then also over the years, I mean, a lot of credit to Hakan Anderson, the, the scout, of course, but it doesn't always go right and doesn't go right all the time for any scout, of course, and he's been extremely successful yeah. and deserves credit. But there are some guys that haven't really been successful here. I'm thinking about Anders Eriksson, very high draft pick, mm-hmm. and people expect a lot of him. You had Dick Axelson for a short while, but he was not in the NHL, he was in the AHL. Uh, Fabian Brunstrom was here, Matthias Riedelau was here, and now you had Matthias Beckman who went home from right. the AHL during the... Is it any of those guys that I just mentioned that you expected a lot more from that kind of were a disappointment to you? Um, you know, I mean, I barely saw Backman, but I know with him, I was just talking to Hawken actually, he said he's going to, when he gets back to Sweden, he's been over here for meetings, is, he's going to talk with Matthias and just kind of get a feel for it. Do you understand that? I mean, it's mental toughness to, yeah, to yeah. adjust to the grind of the AHL and then push through to make it to the NHL and and just some guys have it and some guys don't and maybe he's happy being just playing in Sweden and not ever finding out whether he could make it over here and such but um, going you know, home was a huge mistake on his part is my opinion you know I mean, it certainly didn't reflect well on his mental toughness no because right. that's what they want to see in the right. AHL that you're right. ready to battle even though you're not in the league you want to be right. Exactly. Instead of you know, taking, no. I mean, Nyquist yeah. had to do it. You know, yeah, like yeah. they. I mean, Nicholas Cronwell played uh, during oh, yeah. the lockout. I mean, that, yeah. there's just most of them kind of. You know, it's it's like with us, we don't go straight from middle school through university. You got to go no, through high school and exactly, uh, you know, yeah. earn your earn your spot at a university. But they university. must be a little surprised and disappointed by him, the manager. They are. They are. Yeah. I mean, they because they you know they they drafted defensemen just because it's it's such an in, such a tough position, such an yeah. important position and. You know, he was part of the group they, they had high hopes for, along with Marchenko and Xavier Ouellette, who's up right now, and Ryan Spruill. And um, and they liked a lot about Backman, but, you know, they do have to question, is he tough enough to make yeah, it? Uh, yeah, and that's the question. I don't know about that. I don't know. To me, it seems also like even though last season back home in Sweden, where you kind of expect him to take the next step, it seemed like he was, like, already over here, in a sense. And he wasn't, you know, playing as good as he could or he was thinking that he was much better than he was at that point I don't know it was something happened in his development there it's, it's kind of sad so mm. well well uh, interesting uh, talking about uh, our business a little bit in the end here I mean it's so different just doing what we're doing now we're doing a podcast you're doing I saw you in the locker room before you do your stuff that you write in the paper and you do your thing video, where you film yeah. your video thing I mean I, the way the business have changed I, I mean it's a tough business, how is it for you? It's a 24-hour, seven, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, year-round job now. It, it really is. Um, yeah, you can't really save any stories for tomorrow's paper No, you, you, you can't. Uh, I mean, and, and, you know, there's the, the monster that is Twitter as well. I mean, yeah. you know, putting things out on Twitter and such, which I prefer people come to a website to look at stories and such. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I probably leave an arena 15 to 20 minutes later every night now than I used to just because you know I shoot video and then I go into because um, I use an iPhone into iMovie edit it you know yeah, I mean yeah. like wow. I'm Francis Ford or Sophia Coppola here you yeah, know putting in, exactly. putting in uh, you know identifying the player and uh, adding type and text to it and you know making sure so it's 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 a lot more work and I don't mind. I mean, it's, you know, I think people, in, in, with many players, especially someone like Pavel Datsuk, yeah. I think watching a video helps because his English, you know, still, yeah, he has yeah. a very heavy Russian accent still. And, yeah. and so, but, but also he's very, very funny. And yeah. somehow, 
or sometimes it's just much easier to see when you see him in person, see him doing in person, yeah, than trying yeah. to put it on paper. Especially if 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 the English he uses isn't exactly great, you know. So yeah. you, then you end up having to explain so much, you kind of lose the the funny aspect of it. So, True. but I think yeah. it's just it's good to see, and you know, it shows people a lot the sense of humor they have because I have countless videos where I'll be talking to Riley Shahan, somebody comes by and pinches his a teammate comes by and pinches it. You know, they how yeah. they are with each other like that that uh, <laughs> yeah. you know they, they like to photobomb each other and such. So it's just it gives I think it gives more of uh, gives you more of, of being there and seeing what they're like that they're human beings, not just robots yeah, who play yeah. hockey. But in Detroit still there are two daily newspapers or are there different No, two daily newspapers, yeah. Yeah, two daily newspapers. Yeah. And it's is it still it's not every day still. Both the Detroit Free Press publishes every day. Oh you publish seven yeah. days. How about yes. the Detroit News? They publish six days a week. That's so. it, yeah, yeah. That's the difference. So if you because want your we used Sunday to be seven paper, too. You will get the you Detroit get Free, the Free Press. Press. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And how is I mean is it I mean it's hard times. How how do you how do your paper adapt to the new times? Can you Give well, us the recipe for success in 2015. We're, we're a lot. I mean, we're certainly very digitally oriented, yeah. you know, because that's where most people, you know, get their news and in the mobile site as well and yeah. such. So it's you know a very ever changing field, and I mean, I, there's not a newspaper in North America that isn't trying to figure out and trying to adapt and such. And the internet has been had a tremendously positive impact for delivering news, but also, you know, part of it is why why subscribe pay to subscribe to a paper when you can get it all online you know and um i think much more so older people like the feel of the paper mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. my my nephew I, i think you know he just he wouldn't know like he'd just be like what's this black print on my fingers <laughs> exactly, from yeah. you know that it's just that's not how they get now i like having a newspaper t- myself because you read other stories your yeah. eyes will catch you know another story i don't think you do that so much online no exactly such, but, yeah yeah. Um, yeah i mean the first thing i did when i arrived in detroit was you know buy the both new, right. local newspapers and just look through them and and you pick up and read stories you wouldn't read on right, the internet exactly. because you know they were presented to you there uh, um, but how's the how's the challenge between you and the news are you like the tough competitors yeah i mean where the 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 two main competitors, yeah. you know, and because uh, you travel on the road with your, you know, colleagues there. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, but but we just figure, you know. Are you we, like Colorado and Detroit back in the day, or are you more nice to each other? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when you see so much of each other, I mean, we, you know, we'll we'll go out to dinner often and uh, meet for breakfast um, and such. I mean, it's just you can you can be friends uh, personally and and still rivals professionally. I mean, yeah. yes, we want, we want to scoop each other professionally, but you can do that without being nasty to each other in, in mm-hmm. person. I mean, there's just there's no there's no need to to behave like that. You know, I mean, I think a lot of it with. Uh, um, You know, I remember at one All Star game, uh, Chris Pronger holding the door open for Nicholas Littstrom and such. And I know at the Olympics, it was Sedano Chara who carried Henrik Sederberg's backpack onto the plane yeah. when they all went home after the quarterfinals. Because uh, yeah. Sederberg, you know, because of his back, yeah. it yeah. took him a while to even be able to travel and such. That, you know, yeah. I mean, and of course, if if Sedano Chara and Henrik Sederberg went up against each other in a playoff series, it they'd want yeah. you know. But but that doesn't mean that. That, you and know, he did Chara- that now when they left. Uh, no, it can't be now. It in Sochi, been, yeah. In Sochi, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, wow. You know that, that's, but I mean, yeah. there were rivals rare there as yeah. well. But yeah. you know, not not when not in an instance like that. So yeah, yeah. wow. And how do you feel uh, the, the media coverage is nowadays compared to before? Do you think we're doing a job, good job? I mean, we in the sense of. Media oh yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a but it's it's much more coverage, right? Yeah. I mean you're getting. 
you know, after every practice in morning skate, I'll file a story yeah, that goes up uh, on the web right away, and always, usually, ninety five percent of the time, there'll be a video with it as well, yeah. and and then there'll be you know live updates during the game yeah. and a game story posted with. I file one immediately after a game yeah. that goes up that somebody posts right away, and then come back with quotes. So it's it's there's there's just constantly uh, content being put up on the web. So it's yeah. it's it's a lot more work. But I mean, readers are getting fans are getting a, a lot more information. Yeah, I think also the, 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 I think and this is only my opinion, but the recipe to success I think is to really be there mm-hmm. in a sense that if if I if I'm interested in reading about the Red Wings, I read your stuff. Not only because you're good at doing what you're doing, but it's also because you're there all the time. Right. Uh, and I think that's really what's going right. to you know, make newspapers keep readers, I think. Right. I yes, mean, knowing that these people, they're out there. Right, exactly. I mean, you can have bloggers sitting at home and, exactly, and yeah. taking stuff you wrote and, and putting it up <laughs> and such. But, you know, they're not there getting the information. That's why well, you do still need reporters. And, and you need reporters, uh, you know, it's, I think especially for politics and for I mean it was the Detroit Free Press that helped bring about Kwame Kilpatrick's fault because yeah, of yeah. you and know freedom of information major, yeah, yeah. yeah and I mean the Detroit Free Press won a Pulitzer for that so yeah, you're not going to see uh, any blogger do doing that, that from no, this basement no. so you know I mean so newspapers absolutely are play a vital vital role around the world in in and in promoting freedom of, of expression which yeah. nothing more important no I can't think of a better ending for this um I have one final question, though, that I thought about, and that's with all the Swedish guys that you've covered over the years, who is your favorite? Probably Holmstrom. Oh, okay. Just because he, just because I remember him as a rookie, and you know, there's so much. Is he even going to make the team? And you know, Scotty Bowman joking with him that he wouldn't be there long, and just and just seeing what hard work can do for you. I think he's just an absolutely great example of, of that, and also just because. Very rarely did I walk away from him without chuckling because he was just funny and not laughing at him, but laughing with him because he yeah. was just such a great guy. Oh yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. It was great having you uh, doing this with me. Thanks My pleasure. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Du har lyssnat på en podcast från Expressen. Ansvarig utgivare är Thomas Mattsson. Fler poddar hittar du på expressen.se-podcast och på iTunes.